This is the Divine Comedy Cafe, where we talk all things theology, apologetics, with just the slightest hint of sarcasm. So grab a cup of coffee, have a seat, and let's talk. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Divine Comedy Cafe. This is your host, Dr. David Colbert. And this week, I've really been pondering uh, Christmas. Um, at the time of this recording, it's been two weeks since Christmas Day. And in uh, and, and just thinking about what all kind of this holiday season brings, right? Um, I mean, for me and for my family... Uh, Christmas is a massive, massive just rush um, of things that I need to do and places I need to go. For about 24 hours, I mean, all my wife and my families are both like local. So there isn't a lot of long travel, but it is about 24 hours of just crunch. Um, usually Christmas Eve uh, starts about four o'clock for us. We... Uh, pack our bags, we get our presents ready, and we go to my family's house for uh, Christmas Eve dinner. Um, and we're there probably till about 10 that night, because after dinner, <clears throat> uh, my wife and I go to uh, my parents' house, and we watch uh, Christmas Vacation, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, so you know that it's just a really good uh, Christian film, you know. Uh, but but that's usually what we do on Christmas Eve. Then we head back and we're at home at about ten thirty, um, and we're we're just ready in in anticipation of the morning. <clears throat> so we go to sleep, and then we wake up, and and Hannah and our daughter and and I, all three of us, have our Christmas morning. And even when before our daughter was born, we would have Christmas morning. For each other. Um, <clears throat> so we get up maybe about eight um, and we have Christmas morning. Uh, we open up presents. We put on, uh, first thing we put on is we got a, a record player. So we'll put the Jackson 5 Christmas album on vinyl and then we'll switch over to Frank Sinatra's Christmas album. After those two albums play and we have our cup of coffee and we open our presents, um, our Christmas morning's over, usually about 10. And then we're on our way back to my family's house um, for Christmas brunch. Um, so the whole family gets together, has a big breakfast, uh, you know. It, but before that, we typically open presents. So we make our way back to our parents, my parents' house, about ten thirty. We're we're at my parents' house usually about ten thirty in the morning, and we have about an hour, an hour and a half before brunch is ready. Stuff simmering, what whatnot. So at that time, we open presents from mom and dad and from us, and so we, we do that. Um, afterwards, uh, after Christmas brunch is done, everybody leaves the house. We usually have about an hour to two-hour lull where we just kind of hang and veg out before Christmas dinner at Hannah's family's house. Um, and so we, uh, we kind of just wait at my parents' house. We chill. We enjoy our presents. We enjoy time together. And then we move over to Hannah's family's house for Christmas dinner. And, uh, and so we have another feast prepared by my sisters-in-law. 
delicious food, great time together. And then we finally open up presents uh, at their house with their family. Um, and after presents are over and it's all said and done, we're usually leaving their house between 7 to 8 p.m. And we make our way back to our house by about 8 p.m. to 8.30 that evening. Um, and it's a lot. Like that 24-hour period is a lot to take in. Um, lots of presents, lots of family time. Uh, God has just really, really blessed us with, with some solid families. Um, you know, a good, a good tribe, uh, to, to, to just enjoy, uh, that, that special season where we celebrate Jesus' birth and we also celebrate just some time to slow down and to surround ourselves with our loved ones. And I think that's a beautiful thing about Christmas. It's my favorite time of year, my absolute favorite time of year. Um, but as, as this part of the intro just kind of winds down and, you know, I answer questions that nobody's ever asked about how I spend my Christmas, um, I start to think uh, the next day I wake up, like the day after Christmas, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced anything like this, but like hit you like a ton, ton of bricks, like it's, it's over. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Christmas guy, so like uh, I call it the post-Christmas blues kind of set in for the next couple of days. Um, but that leads me to want to talk about like post-Christmas blues, seasonal depression, uh, and really just kind of a short brief talk on like what, um, you know, mental afflictions have in the Christian walk and maybe how the church has treated it. Uh, in the past, or maybe, you know, what the Bible says about these types of, um, these afflictions. And, and I think it would be a pretty interesting conversation to have. But before we jump in with that, I would like to uh, just give you a brief word from our sponsors. Five episodes in, and I still don't have a sponsor. So this would be where our sponsor's at. Welcome back. Post-Christmas blues um, is is a thing. Um, I, I did a little bit of research, like when I say research, I mean light Google searching um, of maybe what this is uh, before I talked about it. Um, and, and honestly, anything I could find is um, has been said, like not a lot of research has been done for like a post-holiday um kind of like sadness, um, is sadness is like maybe a big word. Uh, I wouldn't go so far to say depression, but definitely just like a muting of emotions, if that makes sense. Um, but not a lot of research has been, uh, you know, invested into this process because it's just so common. Um, you know, it, it's common to be sadder, um, around the holiday season, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense if you have uh, bad family experiences growing up um, that you just don't look forward to, like Christmas time where families tend to come together. Maybe you don't have much of a family to be around, and that also could contribute to sadness. But even if you do have a positive family background and positive upbringing, um, uh, you you still can experience these feelings. Um 
so so kind of what the the common theory is as to why we experience these things is um obviously disappointment after christmas like oh man <clears throat> i've spent like a, a a month if not over a month to a month and a half anticipating this day um anticipating the season uh this time and then it it immediately is over um and and some people do celebrate like family get-togethers post christmas i understand that but still it's a very abrupt end to a like a season or or a time of year um and uh the interesting thing that i found is like so you have all this month's worth of like anticipation of decorating gift buying you know uh high adrenaline sometimes high stress um for this whole season and then immediately that there there's just a drop right um because there's just no more of that it's been you know in a 24 hour period possibly or or maybe a couple days for a lot of people it it ends um and and that uh immediate end that immediate um uh, serotonin rush, like just gone. Uh, it doesn't really taper off for many people. Um, that plus because it's in Christmas is in the winter season. Um, and that is obviously it accompanies, um, like a, you know, short days, um, really long nights. Uh, you're not getting that, um, you know, you're not getting the, that chemical release that you get, from sunshine, um, you're not getting um, you're not getting a lot of high serotonin levels um, in the winter time because of shorter days. Uh, it's colder, right? If for at least in the U.S., right? Um, I think one uh, percent of my audience is from the U.K. So, uh, for those of you ac- across the pond, thank you, uh, whoever you are, uh, for listening. Um, feel free to spread the word. I, I love seeing different countries show up um, on, on, you know, on my demographics. Um, but, but for the West, right. Uh, at least the, the Western hemisphere that I'm in, um, we have, you know, short cold days. The weather is very, very, you know, it gets a little cold, a little chilly where, where I'm at. And, uh, and, and so you're inside more, right. So you're not getting time outside. There's not a lot of outdoor activities that, that you can do in the wintertime, uh, that accompanying short days and accompanying an, an abrupt end to a season that a lot of people do look forward to, all of that contributes to what's called like a post-Christmas blues or post-holiday uh, blues. Um, so it's a sadness that that appears. And, and it plays into somebody who did, you know, some light research on this and, and I, I enjoy doing like thought experiments. It really plays into, um, seasonal affective disorder, right? Or what we would call SAD, SAD, uh, according to the DSM-5, right? Um, which obviously, um, you know, just kind of a, a brief overview is, um, it's, it's a phenomenon where many people, uh, experience uh, sadness, an increased sadness, uh, lethargy, uh, potential depression uh, during the winter seasons. And it's a lot of factors, you know, a lot of factors do contribute to that, uh, namely shorter days and staying inside more. Um, 
just the human body, you know, is, is designed to be in nature, right? I'm not, I'm not like a, a, an, a, I love the outdoors, but I wouldn't consider myself like an outdoors person as far as camping goes. I love to go for a hike. I go to, you know, for a walk. I love to take trips to the mountains and I love being in nature. I do, but I'm not like that. I'm not like Bear grills, right? Um, but we are meant to be outside. Um, you know, I think, I think from a Christian perspective, uh, that's true. Um, right. Adam and Eve were, were in the garden. They were created to work the garden. They were created for outdoor work. They were created, you know, um, for, for, for just time to spend in God's creation, um, unfiltered, right. Um, now, did they have shelter? Did they make houses? Possibly, right? Like, I, I don't know, you know, it, uh, how big the garden was. They, they could have built shelter, right? Um, you know, but, but I guess to, to say that God created a good creation and we were meant to enjoy it, uh, I think that does say, that speaks to our natural inclination to need to be outside, especially physiologically with uh, how our brain chemistry uh, elevates, right? We're happier when we're outside more. Um, you know, even even if you're an indoorsy person, uh, you can't deny that on a good spring, fall, summer's day, you you don't enjoy like lifting the windows just a little bit or, you know, letting this, letting this air in. Uh, for those of you who go to sleep, I go to sleep with a bunch of sounds on. Um, and, in one, like I have a, a little sound spa, a little sound machine. Uh, you know, some of us can say it's for the baby. It's really for me. I've had one. I used to suffer from insomnia. Um, but I, I play, you know, we play outdoor noises. Some of you guys may go to sleep to like, you know, like on a, for a YouTube video, you may cut on like black screen and you may listen to like rain or, or, or some type of nature sound, right? So all this, you know, this isn't even what I want to talk about, but, but I think all this contributes, um, to winter being really tough, uh, for a lot of us, just from a physiological perspective, given the design for our bodies and our relationship to nature, winter is tough. Um, and so the DSM comes in and, and now psychologically we have a classification for, um, just the the feeling that we get uh, when we cannot spend time outdoors, we, you know, it, it's often grayer. So even during the daytime, um, at least where I live, you know, even during the daytime, it could be rainy, could be snowy, could be just overcast, typically dreary. Um, so lots of darkness, uh, even during the day, can't spend time outside, um, you know, the little daylight we do get gets cut short about, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then there's just a really long night. Um, I spend most of my winters, uh, you know, when, when I can, uh, you know, when, my, when, uh, when work permits me, I'm usually in bed. Uh, no lie, like we're, we're usually in bed by like 7, 8 o'clock. Um, I, I just want to sleep through it um, sleep through the winter and enjoy some early nights and get some more sleep. But, um, but all that being said, um, I think this really plays into, uh, an idea of, of how the church has historically, 
at least the modern church, um, you know, ever since kind of this concept of mental illness, right, really has been established. Uh, not saying that mental illness was created. I'm saying that, you know, as it has been discovered over time, uh, giving, given the, the relationship between uh, neurology, brain science, and psychology, the science of, of the soul, or how um, outer experience infiltrates and affects the internal person, right? The mind. Um, we ha now have classifications for things that we did not before. Um, and when I think of things like sad, when I think of things like depression, um, this has been an ongoing conversation that the church has had to address and assess. Um, and in the more, <clears throat> in, in churches like globally, I feel, the global church has really landed on two spectrums. Um, one spectrum is uh, that I deny that mental illness is a thing, right? Uh, you shouldn't be sad. Uh, you can just get over it. Uh, this is just a season. Oh, this too shall pass. Um, oh, you should you should focus. You should be more joyful. Um, you know, um, that that all types of mental afflictions are a result of personal sin. Now, I will say that all mental afflictions are a result of sin. Pause before you cancel me. Um, I believe that it is from the sin of Adam, right? We are afflicted by every affliction, physical, mental, um, you know, spiritual. All of this stems, all death, all decay, all harm comes from the sin of Adam. You can read that in Romans chapter 5. Um, but as, as I look at, <coughs> sorry, I know, I know, I know, I know I said I'd have an editor. Um, but just with the software that I use, I'm trying to look for how I can export this audio because I really don't give much thought to that aspect of it. I just kind of want to throw stuff out there and see if it sticks. Um, but anyway, I, I the one area of the church, typically evangelical and charismatic circles, and I'm part of both. That is my, those are my traditions, um, typically, right? I, I'm very much a believer in the gifts of the Spirit. I practice the gifts of the Spirit uh, listed in, um, in the book of Romans, in 1 Corinthians 12, um, you know, in Ephesians 4. I believe in all of the spiritual gifts. Um, I believe that they're all active for today. I believe that they all have a place within the church. Um, but typically, if you have that belief, you're just not spiritual enough if you experience mental afflictions. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the cover all term. You know, you're not praying enough. You're not trusting God enough. You, you know, these are the mantras that you typically hear in those circles. Um, you know, not, definitely not saying that, uh, that my church practices those things. Uh, we don't. We don't practice the, that type of talk. Now, are we denying that mental afflictions do not come from a result of sin? Uh, no, I'm not denying that at all. Uh, I think people, uh, I think there is a type of anxiousness that comes from fear, which comes from a lack of trust in God. That, that, that's true. Um, I think there are areas of depression where I'm too focused on my past and I'm not anticipating a better future, uh, which shows a lack of trust in God. 
I'm not saying that those things don't exist. However, there are also there is also a world of clinical issues, uh, clinical afflictions of the soul. And even if it's not so much that it it's clinical, even if it is situational and circumstantial, right? I may just be really, really, really sad. I may be in a depression if, uh, for example, if a family member passes away, if somebody close to me passes away, I'm going to be in grief. Um, and just because I experience sadness doesn't mean that I lack joy, right? So I, I do not believe that it just doesn't stem from me pr- not praying enough. Could, but not necessarily. And I think in many cases, that's just not the case. Um, and then on the other end, so we got one end of the spectrum that kind of denies mental illness, uh, that kind of denies mental, uh, I, I would call it more like mental afflictions or anguish. Um, <clears throat> and, and then there's the other end, <clears throat> excuse me, that totally bends to a, a, a clinical diagnosis and completely, uh, completely denies God's power. If I can be frank, um, that, that, that totally, you know, says that there is no way that, 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 that you can come out of this without, um, you know, without psychotherapy or without, um, without medication. And I'm not denying the use of these things. I think these are good tools to use if you are afflicted so much that they're needed for a season. But I would not go so far as to say you need to depend on these things for the rest of your life. However, there is a group of Christians and churches and denominations uh, that typically bend a little more toward that. And I think that totally denies God's power. That totally denies that God can heal. That totally denies um, that, that, that God cares so much about your emotional state that he cannot walk you through pain and heal you on the other side. I also think that God can miraculously take you out of a mental affliction immediately. Like as soon, like as soon as you pray that, that God can take, God, would you take this away from me? Will you heal my mind? I believe that God can and God has, and I have testimonies of that. And I have had that myself happen. I believe that God can do that. But this is the question that I want to ask today. Now that, now that I've kind of done the preface work, right? What is the, what is the talk that we need to have about mental illness with the church? Um, both camps, both extremes, I should say, because there are a lot of healthy churches that are somewhere in the middle, um, in, in just healthy denominations, healthy mindsets, right? Um, it, one second. Sorry. Had to have a sip of some water. Um, vitamin water. Uh, you know, shameless uh, plug. If I could get you as a sponsor, that would be amazing. However, um, as I sift through these thoughts, I, I just have a couple questions that I would want to ask. Um, because there are some people who have come to me and been like, David, I have prayed for this to go away. I have prayed for my sadness to go away. I have prayed for my grief to go away. I have prayed to be less anxious. I have prayed these things. It has not happened yet. Is it because of my faith? Um, and Or I've prayed and I felt good for a while and then I just, I'm just back in it. Um, and, and there are some questions that I want to ask. And, and I pray that this is helpful for somebody out there. 
Um, when Jesus, if Jesus, right, Jesus healed people, right? Uh, during his time on earth, he healed people. This is not news. Uh, Jesus, say Jesus healed somebody with a broken leg, okay? Jesus healed somebody with a broken leg. Can that leg not break again? Like, would you say that Jesus touched my leg, it was broken, I'm healed, now I can never have my leg broken again? Jesus heals a sprained ankle. You're telling me that that ankle will never roll <laughs> again. I want to ask that question. Um, you know, Jesus immediately heals, but still stuff happens after the healing. Um, I can think of three accounts in scripture where Jesus rose somebody from the dead. He raised uh, a 12-year-old girl from the dead. He raised a young, uh, a young man from the grave, right? And he raised Lazarus from the tomb. And, and I don't know what Bible you're reading, but the Bible I read, those three people eventually died again. Like, you know, scripture tells us that no one has ascended except the one who has descended. No one has, no one has escaped just the natural cause of life, right? It's, 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 it's a cycle. Death, death touches everyone. And of course, you could make debates for uh, two people in the Bible, one by the name of Enoch, one by the name of Elijah. And there, there is some room for conversation to be had there. I have my opinions on it, but I also haven't given that much study. I just have a theological framework where, where those things fit. Um, but I do, I do just have those questions. Jesus healed, the miracle happened, but still life happens. God, I prayed for a new car. I got the car and then the car, you know, got totaled. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a blessing from God. Well, it was. But are you not saying that that things still don't happen that affect the gifts that God gives us? I mean, there is total restoration and, and, and healing on this side of eternity. I believe that as we are alive, we will experience and see healing, signs, wonders, miracles, no questions asked. I have seen it myself. I have experienced it myself. I became a Christian because of a healing that convinced me that Jesus is real. I was an atheist and I was convinced through a miraculous healing that this is the God that is real. I do not deny the existence of miracles and healing, but I will also say that you will not be fully, fully healed. Physically, emotionally, I will, I, will, I will withhold saying that you will be totally healed forever because you're still going to die. I'm still going to die. If Jesus does not come back, we will all experience death before he returns. Jesus doesn't, not if Jesus doesn't come back, if Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime. But that does not deny the truth that my body, when he comes back, judges the living and the dead, and I am reunited with my body, that I will not experience a glorified body if you're curious about what that looks like, read 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, read 2 Thessalonians 3, read 1 Corinthians 15, and read uh, Revelation um, 21 and 22. Um, 
those are kind of off the top of my head, um, but not exclusive, right? There's more, especially if you want to go into the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel 7, uh, I think Daniel 12. Anyway, all of these cases are talking about resurrected bodies and glorified bodies, um, which just means my body will not see or touch sickness. My body will not see or touch death ever again when Jesus returns. Um, but in the meantime, we live in a fallen world. We have fallen bodies. We have fallen minds. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, to renew our minds because our minds are broken. And so I'm going to go back to that question. Could Jesus not heal a broken leg and then it eventually break again? Could Jesus not restore an afflicted mind and get in the mind not get afflicted again? I want that question to resonate with you. You could fully experience healing and life happen in such a way that you fall into a state again. And that does not negate or, 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 or backtrack or, or do anything to affirm that you were legitimately healed. But I think the way that we see sickness and illness and affliction and pain, I think we, we see it as an ongoing thing and it has to be an ongoing thing. And if there's a disruption in that ongoing thing and we feel good for a little bit, we expect that to be forever too. And both of those extremes are just not true. We experience, we experience high highs in this life. We experience low lows. And that just happens, right? Jesus heals. He heals the broken leg. He heals the broken mind. And sometimes it does stay healed. There, there may be people who, you know, there are people who have experienced healing from, from anxiety or depression or, you know, other types of mental afflictions. Um, I'm just speaking on those because those are the two most prevalent in this time, especially post-COVID. And they never experience it again or they haven't until, the, you know, to date. But I can't say that that, that, that will never happen again. Um, we have situational sorrows, guys, that, that will hit us and hit us hard. Jesus promises us that there will be troubles in this life. But take heart, he has overcome the world. I mean, I, there is a place to renew our minds. And I believe that if we renew our minds, we will experience these afflictions less when they're not situational. Sorry, when they're, uh, yeah, when they're not situational. I lose a well, maybe even, sorry, even when they're situational, and this is what I mean, I lose a loved one, but I've spent my life trying to think like Jesus, to look for the hope that I'll see them again, to think of the fact that they're no longer in pain, to, that my grieving process very well may be lighter, and it may involve less time. Um, but that doesn't mean that the grief isn't there. Um, it, just, it just means that I'm, I'm focusing on the hope even in the sorrow. I'm not denying the sorrow, but I'm also not denying hope. Um, and I think that is, a, that is a healthy process of grieving as somebody who believes in Jesus, who believes in a resurrected Lord um, and in the fact that I will be reunited with my loved ones again if they and I know him and walk with him and live with him in this life. I do. Healing happens 
to give us a taste of what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like when it's fully, fully realized. Jesus established the kingdom of heaven 2,000 years ago, and we're seeing tastes of the kingdom. Paul says um, in 1 Corinthians, I believe, that he says, when we look at a mirror, we see it dimly now, but we'll see it fully later. That means that, that, that I get a taste of what's going to be, but I don't see the full thing. See, I'm getting a taste of the kingdom when I receive healing because there's going to be a day where I no longer need healing. I get a taste of the kingdom when I experience joy, even in sorrow, in that I am mentally broken free from affliction. But that doesn't negate that the kingdom of heaven is not here if, when I feel that way again. Because there will be a day where it doesn't happen. But Jesus hasn't returned yet. So we live in this already, but not yet. We live in this tension. Um, this, this is the space that we live in, that we're seeing tastes of our Savior coming back. We're seeing tastes of what eternity will be like, but it's not fully realized, and it won't be until Jesus comes back. Um, you know, Jesus even gives a story of, you know, there, there are demons who are cast out, and Jesus teaches that there will be demons that return after they're cast out to cause more affliction. We got to stop thinking that once something's cast out or once it's gone, it's gone forever. We should believe that. We should have full faith and assurance of that. But that doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, that, that I have to be surprised when affliction returns. I can have full faith that it won't. But at the time, be prepared if there are other factors that I don't see. That's why we have armor. That's why the Bible says that we should have the full armor of God on. This is defensive work. All but one part of the full armor of God is defensive. The only thing that we have is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's our only offense against, I think, the enemy, which is the context, spiritual warfare. But I think it's also true um, for natural causes. I need to focus on the truth when, when family passes away, when I lose my car, when I get sick. I need to have the belt of truth. I need to fully, I need to trust. And I need to think, is the way I'm thinking and feeling, is it true? Does it align with the truth? But all that being said, um, I'm not really providing any new insight, but I do just want to ask those questions. If anybody's doubting that God heals the mind as well as the body, if you trust that Jesus heals, you can fully walk and believe and trust that your, your healing, your mental healing can and will happen. That's what faith is. I have confidence in things that I don't trust uh, that I don't see because I trust in the person that will complete these promises. Fully in, in full full healing. I believe in full healing. It's my job, it's my responsibility to trust God for everything that He want, that, that He can do. But at the same time, I cannot deny that this world will continue to give me anguish from time to time. Jesus healed the broken leg. 
Jesus healed the afflicted and hurt mind. But that doesn't mean that the mind cannot be afflicted or pressed ever again. That is why in the healing, in the good times, man, it's so important to strengthen ourselves in God's word, to strengthen ourselves in just holy communion with him through prayer, through a lifestyle of prayer, to have like a healthy fasting practice. Um, Because if God takes away a physical like desire or want, God takes away, you know, I'm just saying like, if God takes away a a good financial opportunity to you, it's not going to hurt as badly if you have developed a healthy tithing schedule because you're already living off less income um, than what you make. Um, you know, if God, if, if, if you, if, if you, God takes away your, uh, you know, if there, if, if, if life happens and God allows it to happen that, that I don't have food on my plate, if I've developed a healthy fasting schedule, I can trust that my God will provide me in the lack and he will provide for me in the plenty. So am I saying spiritual disciplines like prayer, fasting, solitude, congregating, worship, giving, generosity, frugality? Am I saying that these are going to fix your depression? I can't promise that. But in the midst of the pain or in the midst of the plenty, are you developing healthy practices that are going to cushion the, the weight of how life can just hit you? That's a question that I would ask. Did Jesus heal you of your depression? Yes, I believe that. Can you never get depressed again? I can't, I can't promise that. But I'll tell you, if he healed you once, he can again. And if you're waiting on that healing... Focus on ways that you can just learn to trust him more. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world, says Jesus. Another thing that I want to say before I close out, um, you know, that, that's, that's sobering, right? For both camps, I am not going to bend the knee to say that everything is so clinical that I cannot believe in healing. But I'm also not going to say that there is no such thing as mental illness, that there is no such thing as mental affliction and anguish, because you have to get rid of the, all the Psalms. You have to get rid of the book of Job. You have to get rid of Ecclesiastes. Most of the wisdom books are born out of solemn times, because wisdom sobers you. Hard times sober you. So I'm not going to deny what the Bible teaches, that there is anguish and affliction and illness still in this world. And some healings may just be temporary healings. And that's okay. Praise God that he healed you. And praise God that he's with you even in your strife today. I want to end with some scripture. It's from Philippians 4.8. Paul says, Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There is a pondering and a practice to renewing your mind. I have to keep my mind focused and gridded under under the grid, right? Is what I'm thinking true? Is what I'm thinking honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? If not, I, I cannot spend too much time to think about these things. But I'm not canceling out my feelings or emotions. Sometimes it takes days to just kind of get into the filtering process of my thoughts. And all of this went and started. And remember, you have to practice those things too. I have to put my money where my mouth is. And I have to live out that way. But I'm closing my Bible, by the way. But remember, all this started with like post-Christmas blues that I still experience. Seasonal, seasonal depression, I experience it. Non-seasonal depression, there are times that I experience it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I was clinically diagnosed with, um, with uh, moderate, um, sorry, mild depression, moderate anxiety. It's clinically, um, clinically diagnosed. And, and I trust that God has healed me. I haven't, you know, there, there are times where I have not felt, you know, so sad in a really long time. But there's still times um, that I feel these things. It doesn't mean that I wasn't healed. It doesn't mean that I'm not still healed. But there are there is a space in between where I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe I was completely healed. And maybe I'm maybe I'm hurt again. Which just means I have to believe in God for more healing. And until that healing comes, I'm going to practice what I what I need to ponder. I need to renew my mind. Um, and that and that's the truth that that I encourage you um, to do. Is is trust God for healing, pray for healing, believe fully in the healing. And as you wait, just practically filter and 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 and, and focus on the things that that are beautiful and lovely in this world. And if you know God, trust in Jesus and follow him faithfully, even when your mind is in disagreement. And that's, that's, that's my word for you. Um, I've already gone a little longer than I need to, but uh, I hope, I hope this helps. I hope this is a good thought experiment. Um, Remember, remember God can heal a broken leg and the leg get broken again. It's okay. Seek, seek healing and restoration again. Faith is a lifetime practice. I hope this helps. God bless y'all. This has been the Divine Comedy Cafe. Hope you enjoyed it. Probably by now your coffee cup is empty, your heart is full, your mind is as well. At least that's what my prayer is. I look forward to hearing you or maybe not you hearing me uh, next time. Feel free to subscribe to this podcast and give it a positive review if you find it fruitful for your life. Talk to you next time.